Yeah, bud. Yeah, 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 bud. To the Joe Blow Horror Show, where we review, rate, discuss, and break down horror movies. Get the fuck out of here with your horror films, because we've oh. got Pinky Lifton, oh. Roger Ebert, Death oh. Downer, horror reviewers. Oh. I am Boss Tuna, podcasting to you semi-alive out of <laughs> central Iowa where it is a lot nicer than it was in the past few recordings. So we had a pretty nice daytime high today. And speaking of sunshine and rainbows, Tibu, how are you, brother? Yeah, man. I'm going to be the fucking undead necro gypsy from Louisiana tonight. I'm, 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 I'm broadcasting from the deep South. And, um, dude, I'm feeling fucking good. Tonight is amazing and we're gonna talk about some fun ass films um i i, I, I do want to movies you call them films but um, i know i know i know look listen listen speaking joe of necrophilia got, you got some shit to say i got you joe blow's got some discrepancies all right all right but uh i'm here to uh get some some things in order uh what we've done here recently at the joe blow horror show is we have rebranded We've got, we've got a, a new format for everybody. And what's going to happen is you're on a road trip with us, all right? Tibu, Boss Tuna, we're cruising down the highway, and we're going to stop in for an open bar. And what this open bar is is the trip to the Twitty Twister, <laughs> Twitty Twister, Titty Twister, some horror happenings, which is our new segment, a discussion topic, which is always good fun. Shotgun Reviews, where we talk about our recent watches, and we have our segment of the week, which we rotate all the time. I have On the Fringes, and I've got What a Twist. On the Fringes is where we discuss horror-adjacent films and whether or not they deserve to be in the horror canon. And What a Twist is, well, look, if a horror movie has a great fucking ending with a crazy twist you never saw coming, let's talk about that shit. It's a lot of fucking fun. And Boss Tuna's got, well, what you got, man? So we have Zombie Jam of the Week, and we are lucky enough to be joined by our good friend of the show, the Busy Zombie Lord. Also, I have Actor Spotlight. So we take an actor that deserves to be talked about a little bit deeper. Examples from the past are Pro Taylor Vince, who we will be talking about Shortly, we had Lance Henriksen who joined the show. 
and also Tommy motherfucking Atkins, just to name a few, as well as Gunnar Hansen. We can't forget Gunnar Hansen as well. And then we also have a shared topic, if you will, or shared mm-hmm. segment with our friend from the horror cast, Mark Nato. And that one is called A Shot in the Dark. So that wraps up our segments that we cover. And that also wraps up the open bar. And what you're tuned into tonight is the last call. This is the last call, everyone, where we review an old film, which is from 1994 and older, and a new film, which is from 1995 and newer. So it's a first feature, second feature, a double fucking feature of horror awesomeness. And that's what you're in store for this evening because we have for our old movie, The Stuff from 1985. And for our new movie, we have The Cell from the year 2000. All right. So two thes. What's up with that? We didn't, we just, don't plan these, right? We just, just pick them at two, random. Yep, so two. Both of them are two-letter movie or two-word movies, and they're both both the. the yep, the, the stuff, the cell. Like we, okay, people who don't know, we we uh we rotate our new and old movies. So Boss Tuna will pick an old, I'll pick a new, then I'll pick a new, and he'll pick an old. We don't discuss this beforehand. We just shock each other with with whatever we're going to be talking about, and it's up to the other hosts to watch the film and get their notes down. So when you come to the last call, that's it, man. This is the end of the line for the road trip. This is where you settle in. You get your horror action on and you get your analysis, deep critique, funny comments, what have you. This is the Joe blow fucking horror show. This is the new format. Everybody. I'm excited, man. Everyone who listened to last week's episode, they've got, you know, they, they're, they're, Attention, huh. they, they know the drill already. Yep. They've got yes. this down. So this is the, the second part. We're going on the power play. This oh. episode, we're going on the power play. So you better get ready for some bombs coming from the point there, boys. Kibu, I'm not sure about you, but I am not ready to end this road trip. We better head in for last call. What Hell say yeah. you, Kibu? What do you got there, buddy? Okay. All right. <laughs> for the stuff tonight, can you see the coloring on this here? Oh, I sure can, bud. Yeah, it's just like the film. It's this purple, white, black fucking, you know, how they market it and advertise it in the movie. Um, this is from Funk Brewing, and it's their Neapolitan American Stout, uh, brewed with strawberries, vanilla, and cocoa nibs. All right, this thing right here is a pint. I've got a 16 ouncer, and uh, the strength is 8.1 percent alcohol by volume. This is a heavy can right here. I've never tasted this. I don't know anything about it. There's no description on it. This is an a motherfucking homegrown beer right here. The label is literally slapped on the can. 
Dude, I, I'm telling you right now that I am going to guess that's going to be phenomenal because I have recently had a Neapolitan stout. And yeah, you're probably going to get, oh, I, yeah, it's chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. It's, do they, does it have lactose in it or milk sugar? It's got uh, it, to say on there. It doesn't even say, no. Well, there, there's. I'm excited. Yeah. Hopefully it's a little bit sweet so you can get that. I mean, well, if, it, if it tastes like some melted ice cream, yeah. Let's Bring crack us in, this motherfucker. Bring us in. Ooh. Let's see. Let's see. That that sounded delicious. Yes. Yes. It tastes like I just scooped a, a, a spoonful out of a pint. Ugh. Put, dipped in, 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 in alcohol. Oh, my God. No, no. Hold on. Second sip. Yes. This is some good shit. Holy fuck. All right. This is a $5 beer. I just want everyone to know. <laughs> $5 milkshake, $5 beer. Neapolitan right here. This ain't a milkshake, motherfucker. Yeah, not to go you off a side tangent, but people, you know, like my wife will make fun of me because I go and, yeah, like I'll spend five, well, I spend a hell of a lot more on that, on a beer. And I'm like, okay, well, you go and get a fucking coffee at Starbucks at $7. Yep. Like, how do you have any room to speak? But anyways, before we forget, Untapped, it's an app oh. on your phone. Yeah. If you like drinking beer, download that app. It's free. You can follow uh, T-Boo and I on there. It's a good way to keep track of your beers. You can rate beers on there as well. I know we didn't rate our beers last week. What would you rate that beer right there? It's out of five. Out of five? The one, the Neapolitan? Yep. Um, third sip. Third sip out of five. I'd give it a I'd give it a, like okay, I'm gonna do a point system where I give it the like uh point by point basis. So I would say like a three point six or seven. Okay. Like 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 good, yep. better than average, not the best, but really like a, a good beer. Like, yeah, like if you if coffee and, and, and flavors are your thing, then check check out this fucking American stout by, by funk brewing. If you can find it, you know, it's good stuff. Okay. So I've been on kick lately and it's, it's, you know, I, I, I it, it's not the, you know, stepsister, stepbrother, you know, ex hamster, you porn. Shit. <laughs> um, no, oh, but all God. in all seriousness, <laughs> I've been on a kick lately and it has been, the <laughs> left hand brewing company. So let's talk about left hand brewing for a hot minute. They have blown up in the Midwest, at least they're out of, I believe Boulder, Colorado, but they have becoming ever more popular here in the Des Moines area. I pretty sure I've talked about some of their other stuff yeah. on the show before I picked up last night, their peanut butter milk stout and I mean, there's literally, I mean, what do those look like on the can to you? It looks peanut butter like cups. Peanut butter Reese's. cups on there. Yes. Yep. So I am, I've, I've got high expectations. If we want to revert back to last week when we were talking about <laughs> horror movies and expectations and whatnot. Yeah. If you put a peanut butter cup on a fucking can, it better be delicious. Let's hear the can crack. And mm -hmm. let's take our first sip. 
I will say that right off the bat, it smells like a peanut butter cup. So I oh. have to give them props on that. Like that legit. Oh shit! Smells like a peanut butter cup. Oh yeah, buddy. That's east. That's Easter in a can. It's it's funny. I was telling Tebow, I was like, dude, we're gonna have to take a a, a little break here because I <laughs> we're we're gonna run late because I had to stuff about fucking thousand Easter eggs tonight. Yeah, uh, that's with that's candy. The, at the time of this recording, it is Easter weekend, so we're yep. we're we're putting in the effort, even during the uh, yes. you know for some yep. holidays. Yeah, so I'm sitting there stuffing, trying to fit a peanut butter cup inside of an Easter egg. So yeah, <laughs> it does have that Easter. But dude, dude, the smell of it—that that—that's. I mean, for those that are and and I know that we have at least one listener that's a brewer because he messaged me asking about the uh, peanut or the, uh, sorry, the 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 Joe Blow Horshow pumpkin stout. He asked me about about that. And I will say that one of the most important things about brewing a beer is what you get from the smell. So if you have like a pumpkin pie stout, for example, it's almost more important to smell that because that will make you think you're tasting it more than the actual taste. So just yeah. having that scent bombard your nose when it comes in is, is, is pretty important. Um, but yeah, that you get the peanut butter right off the bat. The beer, however, is as much as I've been talking it up and blowing that initial, Hey, it smells like a peanut butter cup. It's not quite on that level. It's good. Personally, I would like a little bit sweeter, I guess. But I've also been on a lactose and milk sugar kick. I would say this would be, I mean, you went 3.6 on me. So, I mean, we're getting into the the nitty-gritty when it comes to rating. I would say 3.2 on this. I mean, it's better than average for sure. I would say a 3.2 out of 5 for the left-hand brewing peanut butter milk stout. Pretty good overall. Follow Boss Tuna and Tibu on Untapped. Tibu, do not forget to mark those beers down. Scan the oh. and and give us a little review. I'm, I'm I'm curious to figure out and check it out. So hell yeah, follow us on Untapped, motherfuckers. All right, well we are going to hop into our first feature review. presentation with the following urgent message tonight america is in grave danger we are under alien attack by a popular dessert known as the stuff here jason take some no don't eat that there is something alive in there tasty there's something alive in yogurt it's called benign bacteria If the stuff is in your house, do not eat it. If you have it on your shelves, do not sell it. 
if you distribute this material. Close your doors, make no more sales. Okay, so the first feature review is 1985's The Stuff. This was like a Boss Tuna pick. This was a Boss Tuna pick. I feel like I could have done a better job as far as picking a beer. I thought, like, after I left, I was like, I should have found something with marshmallow on it because that just looked like I've a been craving problem. a marshmallow beer, dude, like a s'more dude, beer. Oh, man. And I've I been just craving feel like, that. I feel like I just had one. It's like I should have paired this a little bit better with like a marshmallow beer. But the stuff is a 1985 movie. Tibu, give me your thought. What do you think this came in? Let's let's start out with IMDb. Okay. Um, I would say this movie probably came in like a 5.2, maybe a maybe a 4.8. Between a 4.8 and a 5.2. 5.9. Whoa, all right, all yep, right. Yep, yep, I like that. Typically, I will only take the tomato meter on a movie, but I took, and you'll see why I did this when we talk about the next movie, but I took the tomato meter and the audience meter. So what do you think the audience meter gave this on Rotten Tomatoes? 60 to 70%. 45, bud. Whoa. So right. let's go to the other end of the spectrum on this. What, what was a tomato meter on this then? The critics? The critics. Uh, like 30, 33%. That's why I had to do this. 71%. Wow. All right. Yeah, right? The movie is <laughs> rated R. It's clocking in at 87 minutes. This is directed by Larry Cohen. Not yep. to be confused with the Coen brothers. Nope. Okay. Well, he he's directed a handful of movies before. <laughs> as far as horror movies go, nothing too particular. He directed the It's Alive, I would say a series. But also he directed A Return to Salem's Lot. So the sequel mm-hmm. to the 70, was it 79, I think? 79, yeah. 70, so, yep. Uh, he's better known as a writer, and that's going to come in play shortly. So keep in mind yep. that Larry Cohen is a very successful writer, I would say. So he, it's like the, This is like the West Wing of horror movies or something. It's yeah, the the yep. plot is so convoluted. Yep, so he he's responsible for all of the Maniac Cops, like the original series, the remake. I mean, he's... That's that's his baby. He also that's his bread and butter. Yeah, he also wrote Cellular and Phone Booth, which I, had I like both of those movies. Out. Yeah, I had to write both those down because I thought that was funny. I like I like both of those movies though, for real. Yeah, yep. I was gonna say uh, Phone Booth was Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin Farrell. Yep. Yep. Keith, and, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then Cellular was a pretty decent one. That one also had. Uh, uh, is it? Uh, I don't remember the actors. Not, not or Joel Edgerton, but... but the Joel Edgerton lookalike. I can't remember. Mm. But anyways, this movie did not really star anybody other than Danny Aiello, which or well, Michael Moriarty. I mean, yeah, Michael Moriarty. Uh, yeah, 
I would say Danny Aiello is probably the most popular. And hmm. he is a friend of the show because he was in Jacob Slatter, which we actually covered in a previous yeah. episode. So some trivia with this movie is pretty light in all honesty. I will say the one really piece of trivia that really caught my eye was the motel scene. I would say it's pretty iconic because that was the exact same room that a nightmare on Elm street was shot in with the a nightmare on Elm street, quote unquote room with Johnny Depp. That was the yeah, same. If, if anyone couldn't tell, if you watch the movie, yeah, they totally ripped off the fucking effect. <laughs> yeah. It came out a year later. So, yeah, because they basically the move or the room rotated, so that's how they're able to get the. And you could tell too, like when uh, Mo and Nicole were like kind of suspended, you could tell that they yeah. were being held up and whatever. Yeah. But I mean, it was still pretty cool. Like at the time, you're you're not going oh, yeah, to notice effect. stuff like that. Good effect. So, yep. Yeah, I mean, totally. anything practical. I, I I'm gonna applaud that as well too. Yep. So. That's all I have, unless you have anything else about the movie well, before we get into the review. I wanted to ask you, this came out in 85. Uh, the Blob came out in 88, the remake. Do you think this movie had anything to do with that movie getting you know, championed again for a remake? Because it came out first? You know, that's actually a good question, and I had actually never thought of that. Um, because they're very similar with the same, you know, the the, the they entity, are. the blob, the stuff. It's and they're both these amorphous beings that are alien to us and consume. Oh, the beer is being poured. I'm gonna tell There's you what. More beer. My being poured initial right my initial thought is no, actually, because I think that they're far enough apart where I don't think they really had anything in common. No. Yeah, that that's my initial thought. I, I just think that it's easy to draw that comparison because of, you know, the stuff in the blob. But mm-hmm. no, I, I I think that maybe if the blob wasn't from nineteen fifty eight originally, there'd be an argument there. But I just think it's just one of those Well things. no, I meant I meant the remake though happening because of the success of Yeah, of this yeah, movie. no, I, I know. I, I'm I'm that's what I'm saying is I think that if the blob wasn't of nineteen fifty eight movie then possibly but not i i've never thought of that actually i mean it could be but i i I don't know any comparisons i just while watching it again i I thought about like because the first time i watched the stuff was uh with joe bob on a last drive-in on shutter joe bob joe bob did the stuff yeah no shit what season because probably the first maybe the second i don't i don't know Okay, so okay, because I, I um, truth be told, if if you guys haven't heard, I know we've been talking about this the last few episodes, but I just started recently getting into Joe Bob doing his last drive-in, and I am going back on Shutter watching them, and half of them are not available anymore. Yeah, so they 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 rotate be, in and out based yeah. on um who has streaming rights. Yep. yep. So so this it's might probably be gone. Um, yeah, it's probably gone. So yep. Okay. Because you can find the stuff for free on Tubi, yeah. As well as our our next film, The Cell, yes. you can find yep. both of these right now on Tubi. That's right. No, but that's that's all I had as far as uh, 
a question for you. Besides that, I'm ready to dive into the stuff. Yeah, let's uh, let's 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 jump in head head first to the stuff. So the film opens in a snow-covered mining quarry where several workers discover a white cream-like substance bubbling out of the ground. With one of the men tasting it, these workers find that it's sweet and, you know, addictive. They immediately try to capitalize on it and sell the stuff. This is like the, the opening scene, man. We just got out of our winter horror era where we were discussing movies that take place in the snow. And I found it so funny that this movie opened. Yes. Yep. With the last snowstorm, the last snowstorm. Yeah, it's fitting. It's very fitting. Um, So during our opening credits, we have a young boy about the age of 10 or 11 up late at night, fetching a midnight snack. And when he goes to the refrigerator, he opens it and finds a, a white creamy substance moving around before his dad jump scares him and he's pissed off. He's like, what are you doing up so late? <laughs> like pretty much like every parent much, with their yeah. kid. And he's like, Oh, I saw it moving. And he's like, go to bed. I expected him to like fucking, you know, whip him. pretty much. It seemed like a, like a mean dad, you know, I but, thought he looked familiar. I'm like, God, where do I know him from? Then I'm looking up like, nah, it's just, he's got that look. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like your character actor dad, but not. So later, that that same sub- substance is marketed as the stuff, and it's being sold to the public as a uh, like a alternative to dairy products, like a a dieting thing. It's, it's a dessert. It's a dessert yeah. ultimately. No calories. It's sweet. It's creamy. It's filling. People are like whipping it off the shelves. It's it's a craze the whole country over. Um and this pisses off a lot of people in the dairy industry like the ice cream tycoons who all conveniently meet on a yacht <laughs> in decked out in suits. All these ice cream tycoons are decked out in suits and they're meeting on a yacht like right outside the city on the river. I guess it's New York, right? It has to be. I have no idea. Seems like it. And here we're introduced to former FBI agent turned industrial saboteur David Mo Rutherford. Motherfucking badass, right? With a southern accent. Come on. What? You don't like I, him? I thought this was a pretty oh. silly and goofy oh. scene. <laughs> it is with him with him coming up okay so the first thing you need to realize if you haven't at this point in the movie is that it's pretty i guess i'd say satirical yeah and silly. yeah this this movie kind of you know embalms it in that as well yeah you you get to meet this guy and at first when you first get him like half a second you're like okay who is going to be the main character is it you know the dark haired guy at first or is it going to yeah. be who is mo rutherford bro yeah, mo rutherford ultimately and i i truth be told this is the first time i remember seeing this movie i know for a fact i saw at least parts of it growing up as a kid but i don't 
the only parts I remember are just the big white marshmallow foam <laughs> moving. <laughs> so yeah. it was basically a first time watch for me. And I was trying to remember, I was like, okay, who's going to be our main actor here? And they did a good job as far as keeping you like, is it going to be this guy or this guy? But yeah, you meet Mo Rutherford and then you have the whole scene. Just don't forget. I, we got to talk about the final part of the scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. He no, he, no, no, no. Mo, Mo, Mo's <laughs> talking to uh, all these, all these ice cream tycoons and, and they're like questioning him about his, his skills. Cause they're, they're he, hiring him essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like an interview and he's brought aboard this yacht and Mo, Mo's like, Oh yeah. What about one of you guys calling me obscene? Oh, you called me obscene. He's saying with a Southern accent, he confronts one of these old ice cream tycoons and the guy's like, what are you talking about? He pulls out this microphone transmitter that he slipped on the guy the night before where he overheard their conversations. And, and, and that proves to them like, Oh yeah, he's the man for the job. And he's like, he's like, the reason they call me Mo is because the people that pay me money, I always want Mo. <laughs> I'm like, God damn. And on the way out, he fucking punches out the guy that you thought was our main character, the dark haired fucker that introduced him. And he's like, because they're both on the FBI at some point. Yeah. Yeah. They knew each other and he fucking decks him on the way out the fucking the yacht. And he's like, thanks for the money, gentlemen. (laughs) Mo, Mo rushes off. It's so fucking awesome, dude. Uh, the next morning, the little boy that we find out, uh, from the refrigerator night before, his name is Jason. So, you know, could be a horror movie reference there if you want. Um, he saw the stuff moving the night before, and he's trying to warn his family about this dessert. Like, you know, it's not good. It's spoiled. He's trying to tell them, like, don't eat it. It's, 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 not it's moving. spoiled. It's not moving in the fridge. Yeah. And, and they're like, he's overreacting. And he slaps the fucking container of the stuff out of his mom's hands all over the fucking counter. And they're just like, oh, well, he's upset about something. I, dude, I mean, dude, not to get like really weird right now, but the eyes of him and his brother were they not just like, like just sparkling? Fuck? Dude, yeah, it's like I, I don't know, man. It is weird, yeah, dazzling, weird. dazzling. They, uh, yeah, eyes. It, yeah, it looked like, like no, they had they contacts are. in. It was like no. Oh, they they just have very pretty eyes. Yeah, I mean, it was it was weird. Up. I mean, I don't know if it was like the coloration or 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 what, but I was like, holy fuck, yeah, that's you could tell. Yeah, no, no, yeah, the, both both child actors have beautiful eyes. I mean, there's no way around it. No, there's you're not sounding weird, man. They have beautiful fucking eyes. Yeah. The camera captures their eyes so good. Um, both brothers, yeah, I agree. I, I noticed that too. Um. After that, after uh, Jason runs off, uh, Mo talks to a team of scientists about stealing the secret of the stuff, and he's witness to the filming of a commercial for the product where women in fur coats eat the addictive yogurt substance under neon lights. <laughs> it's like this weird – It's like, like it's like a model shoot, like yeah, a fashion designer. Runway model fucking weird. Yep. Yeah, there's like music playing and shit. And Mo halts the production of the whole thing to talk to this advertising executive genius behind the marketing of the stuff, Nicole Kendall. 
he's he's posing as someone who wants to potentially buy her production company. So she's like thrilled, like, oh, uh, he'll take me out to dinner. And he's like, yeah, my limousine's outside. And she's like, well, I bet mine's bigger or something like that. Like, Yeah, she was like, so is mine. He goes, don't worry, mine's bigger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it goes. And uh, <laughs> that shit's funny. Um, after a few shots of consumers buying tons and tons of the stuff at a, at a grocery store, we see a young Jason enter and he starts destroying every fucking container he can get his hands on. I mean, wrecking the dairy section, uh, taking down multiple end caps, fucking busting out the glass doors of all the coolers, employees, security. They're like, the, the scene goes crazy. This, it was, man. yeah, this was bonkers and it was over the top for sure. He, he was, he was, yeah, he was going absolutely nuts. I thought it was moving a little bit fast at this point. I'm like, holy fuck, this kid is, is, yeah, good luck, kid. You'll be in. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, he gets arrested. I'm not going to lie. I love, I love this scene. I love how it comes out of nowhere. After the fast pace, like people just buying it, and he goes in there knowing what he saw and convinced of what he saw, and he just fucking like, no. It's every little kid's desire to just have what they want right that moment. And what he wants is everyone to fucking like, no, stop eating this shit, motherfuckers. I I love it. And and so getting getting into it, Mo visits a Mr. Vickers who was a uh, part of the Food and Drug Administration before yeah because there is a hint where he was trying to figure out like okay people want to know what's in this and how it's made but it's protected under some kind of weird bullshit law is like a huge coca-cola plug like oh well you don't know so he's trying to do some research as far as how what's in it how's it made and he finds out that that's weird everybody on the fda that approved this has retired basically yeah so you're like, they all, they, oh, they, okay. they've all, they've all they got paid off. Yeah. They got paid off basically is what, mm. you know, they're on vacation and, and yeah. This is where horror sneaks in that subtext of like, what's high fructose corn syrup in Coke. Yep. You know, trying to warn the public of, Hey guys, what you're just blindly consuming might be dangerous to your health. Maybe we're just saying, you know, possibly. And so, yeah. He's confronting this this former well, he's still in the FDA, he's about to retire. Uh Vickers. And Vickers has this dog that's like growling, this low growl the whole time. Like he's he's whoa, something's going on. I'm a craving old something. black great Dane. Oh yeah. And Vickers is trying to like persuade uh Mo, like, hey, everything's on the level. Let me go get you some copies of the preliminary paperwork I had for the product and shit like that. And Moe's like, why are you so afraid of your master? But it's not the master that the dog's afraid of. The master's afraid of the fucking dog, right? He's, he's nervous. Or am I getting that mixed up? I think that the master is afraid of the dog. Right, right. And, and so when, when, when Moe this, this is Danny Aiello, who is oddly enough the biggest character at this, or actor at this time in yeah, the movie. Well. And Michael Moore already searches his house and he finds all this, all these containers of the stuff in the pantry. And as, as he goes to leave, the owner's like, we deserve a treat. <laughs> this, this, this cuts to 
Mo showing up at he's like two thirty in the morning and they're still kicking. It's like this uh this all night creamery dedicated to the stuff where they're selling the shit round the clock. Like people are just consuming it left and right. And we cut right back to Vickers being attacked by his dog that methodically rips the telephone wire out the wall, cutting off all communication, and then starts expelling this white blob from its maw and biting Vickers' neck. So his dog turned on him right there. Um, special effects? Very Cujo, very Cujo-esque because they mixed in <laughs> the puppetry and a real dog. Yeah, and the special effects here are cheesy, but I think they're still good for the movie. Like, they're, I think yeah, they're, they're practical. And and yeah. and the tone. Yep. I think the tone stays the same. Yep. No, I agree. Which is part campy, part serious. I think the movie's coming from both angles. That goes back to what you were saying about the the guy being a writer, and the film already involving this plot about like corporate saboteurs and the investigation, the, the, the breakdown of the, the team of scientists and, and uh, the advertising exec, like there's a lot of convolution to this plot about a simple story really of a, of a, of a, a thing. Some people discovered that's an alien substance, you know, well, 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 we're going to get into that. Um, Mo goes sleuthing in uh, what Stater, Virginia, this yeah, little yeah. town that Stater, yeah he got yeah. from, from uh vickers and he gets into a fist fight with chocolate chip charlie oh this this was my favorite character yeah he's one of the he's one of the ice cream tycoons lethal hands yeah my hands are lethal weapons registered in the state of virginia or georgia wherever the fuck um everywhere um he's one of the ice cream tycoons that's like they stole my company from me he's pissed off um they they decide to compare investigative notes and discuss and like roam this town together and they discover that this town is seemingly made up of like two townsfolk the gas station attendant and the mail clerk and they're questioning the mail clerk before finding out that everyone's mail in the town of stater is being forwarded to midland georgia and everyone there in the town has moved to midland georgia so the the mystery deepens like what the fuck is going on? Why why is this town vacant? Why is it like a ghost town? And where all the, the house- way that you meet Chocolate Chip Charlie is 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 nothing but hilarious. I mean, yeah, he's stalking. Um, just he's like kind of he jumped at him like one of the spider monkeys out of Wizard of Oz coming from that car. <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. I was like, what the hell am I watching right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love i love i love the scene and and they i love the camaraderie between the two of them and um when well they go to question the clerk and they're like what well, why is all this being forwarded what's going on here he tries to calm them down but then it, like he excuses himself and he goes and pukes up this white goo that oozes from the clerk's gaping mouth and retreats out of a window that mo and charlie are trying to follow it down they follow the goop. I had a dollar choked. every time I saw some white goo getting expelled out of a gaping mouth, man. <laughs> I was waiting for that joke. Something like that joke. Um, <laughs> they get jumped <laughs> by some strangers who are easily killed by punches that utterly fucking destroy their faces, revealing hollowed out 
fucking husks spurting white cream like everywhere. This is I know, I know, I know how this yeah, sounds. This is my college career right here. I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So they escaped my rowboat all of a sudden, conveniently. Like <laughs> Yeah, it just happened to be a, a convenient rowboat sitting there. Get the rowboat. Yeah, that was that was uh they were in peril, run. So for, for, for as hard R as this movie hard R as this movie is, how PG thirteen is it on the flip side? It is, right? Pretty absolutely absolutely yep i would say so i mean this this movie for the most oh man i'm thinking about my seven-year-old son like i think he could watch this movie (laughs) it's not that bad no it's Um, really not mo and charlie decide to part ways at a diner in the following scene and mo gives him the the directive to visit fbi agent frank herbert in washington dc so we get the set up there of, uh, okay, well, fuck it. Charlie's off to see this fucking agent. And in the following scene, Mo is nearly run down by someone driving a van with the stuff logo on it on his way to a meeting with its distributor, Mr. Fletcher. Right. So well, clearly it was an attempt to kill him. Hell yeah. And Mo's connecting the dots between the distributors and their involvement with the stuff and the mining company that we saw at the beginning and all this shit going to Midland. He threatens to shut them down, but is he, he, he's met with a counteroffer with a fat fucking envelope full of money and a job contract to oversee the security of uh, you know the stuff's production. Mo decides to let Nicole, Miss Kendall, know about his actual plot to discover the stuff. What is it? What's in it? What's it doing? And how to destroy it? He needs her help to get into the fucking the factory, the facility, wherever the fuck it's being mined and all that. Um, his team also informs him of that kid that fucking obliterated the, the supermarket display of the stuff, and he's intrigued. So he's like, I'm going to go fucking find out about this kid. At home, Jason is confronted by his family. They've been just consuming the stuff. That's all they eat now for lunch, breakfast, dinner. It's the stuff, right? Like they're like, yeah. oh, I'm dieting now. I've lost 15 pounds on the stuff. And the dad's like, just eat it. Just eat it, Jason. Come on. Here, you're not getting out of your, your room until you finish this. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, Jason's older brother like holds him down. He's like, you just gotta eat it. He he says, uh, hold on. He's well, like, he try uh, he tries getting away. Jason tries getting away at first. His brother catches him at the door and drags him back inside. Yeah, he's like, he's like, you need to eat it and just keep eating it. And his parents are like, you're gonna take this upstairs until you come down, and then you can rejoin the family. Imagine a little kid being told that, dude. So the but the, but Jason is smart. He flushes the stuff down the toilet. And he uses shaving cream to trick his family into thinking he's eating the shit. So he gets downstairs and he gets to get out the door because he's got like an upset stomach. It's He's eating shaving cream. But just in the nick of fucking time, here comes Mo. His family is chasing him. Jason jumps in the car and pukes fucking everywhere. <laughs> I mean... I, I, I like, and you could tell that the child actor liked his interaction with Michael Moriarty because he's smiling the whole time. Yeah, they're having fun. He 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 put that kid at ease. I think, based on me seeing the film, you know, 
watching what's going on. And um, Mo and Nicole are joined by Jason on a private plane to Georgia. So the plot thickens here. Um, they they all infiltrate the fucking the facility, right? Like Jason goes off on his own side adventure, but Michael Moriarty sets up some fucking bombs, dude. They go there where the stuff is being extracted from this at, at the quarry or whatever. Yeah, the quarry where they found it at the beginning of the film. He sets up all these fucking bombs that detonate, blow rubble fucking everywhere while he steals a truck of the goopy stuff substance that Jason is trapped in the tanker of. He 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 went off on his own little side quest and got trapped in a, a, a an eighteen wheeler like like tanker where he has to face his ultimate fear. This this shit starts getting filled up with the stuff that marshmallow. Yeah, they're cream. they're just pumping that fucking the stuff which. It looks like a mix of like marshmallow cream or yogurt or whatever. But yeah, he went to hide in there and that was a, a bad choice because they're pumping that in there. And that's how they're shipping it to everywhere. So yeah, he's inside this big tractor trailer and he's Yeah, fucked. they steal it and he, he they, they find him in it, luckily. Like, thank God, because uh, I mean, he was going to get consumed. They, they end up getting pulled over by a cop and they trick the cop. Yeah. Because every everyone in the area is is they're being consumed by the stuff because they're consuming the stuff. And the stuff is, it turns out, an alien parasite that hollows out its its host and acts as its own, you know, hive mind being, entity, whatever you want to call it. Kind of like the blob, you know? Yeah. Um and this cop pulls them over in the tanker. And they trick him into being like, hey, look, there's a spill. Because there is. The tanker is spilling out the stuff. They're like, and, oh, we just – because what happened was he drove away and he left the tube still on the back of the tanker. And the oh. cop saw that and pulled them. And he's like, oh, yeah, we just forgot the tube. And they're about ready to get fucked when Jason and Nicole were like, oh, well, I, I need some. I need some. Let's Let's go get some. So they go back and pretend to – you know, want to eat the stuff, and the cop obviously is all about that shit. Yeah, he he, he <laughs> they're all controlled by it, so they love it. He goes in to fucking eat it, and they knock him out real easy. It's a scene that could actually be like cut from the film, if you want to be honest. Um, kind of pointless, but the next scene. I mean, I guess is, it does. It does set parameters that you know it, it's got a far well, reach. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. On second thought, you're right. But then the movie goes into what I would consider its third act, sort of. Yeah, yeah and no, it I gets agree. it gets absolutely out of control, bonkers, crazy from here. Mo <laughs> brings them to a castle where he knows someone, a certain colonel from the United States Army that has been dishonored or I don't know. He he's not taken seriously. Colonel Spears, who is played by, who is this? I don't know. Oh, he's in a lot of films. He's a yeah. character actor. Yeah, I was gonna say he must be a character actor then, because I did not bother writing him or <laughs> a lot of other people down. So, well, the movie sh shifts gears now. Um, we are brought into a very odd 
part of the movie where we go complete America gung-ho, militia-style, army recruitment, where basically where Mo gets his own personal little army, they invade the fucking uh, the, well, the it's, mining. Well, it's funny because that there are some comments made back in 1985, and well, I think I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of... We're going to get to that. Yeah, okay. We're going to get okay. to that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mo basically has his own little mini army. They invade the fucking mining company. They blow shit up. They they go nuts. They decide that they're gonna broadcast their message on conveniently what the Colonel Spears owns is like a bunch of radio stations and that have a wide uh, reach, a large network of of uh, um what do you call that affiliate stations, um. We'll we'll get right to it here. I mean, the the movie. We'll jump ahead here because basically we're getting to the climax in the radio station where, um, Mo, Jason, and Nicole are about to make their their and and Colonel Spears make their desperate plea to America, and Chocolate Chip Charlie shows up, who who we have not mentioned is a a, a black man, and. Yeah, the, they the, don't call him White Chocolate Chip Charlie. It's just Chocolate Chip Car- Charlie. So, I mean, yeah, well, you we should know that. The the the, <laughs> the the I didn't catch racist tones from the film up until no. right now. I was just saying, I didn't where the character Colonel Spears at first refuses to have Chocolate Chip Charlie speak on the radio, but then openly says, "I will allow the colored man to speak." That's where I was like, ooh. And then he said, yeah, in the same sentence, it was like, if you spew any of your liberal communism, I'll shoot you in the head or something like that. Yeah, I I got really weird vibes from the movie after that. And I was like, whoa, where's this going? And why was that part of the script? And what? Like, just what in general? Like, that's that's a weird direction and and everything else. But then Charlie takes Nicole into the next room and she's trying to be like, oh, the stuff is so horrible and this, that, and the other. And he's like, I know. And he pulls her in and he he starts fucking mutating, transforming. I don't letting it loose. Yes, and the and practical I will say effects that was- here. I will say that for a split second, that that was actually a really well done part of the movie because for a split second, Hell I thought yeah. that it was her that was the, because I was like, oh yeah, one of them is fucked. I thought it was her at first because Chocolate Chip Charlie, you meet him and you, I mean, he's hardcore anti stuff, but then he goes to DC to meet with the agent he comes back. So when they did that, like, why does she need to see him in the room? I thought she was pulling him in because she was going, she, she had the stuff, but no, they give you a little bit of a red herring there. And yeah. Cause we, we well, I, I skipped over a part where all the people, when the militia attacks the, uh, the fact, the mining company, all the people that are infected by the stuff reveal themselves to be like, basically like, Again, husks Shell. of bodies. Like, yeah, the, the the stuff leaves their bodies once it's infected it and and completely taken over. 
And um, yeah, so he, so at this point, Charlie reveals he's consumed with the stuff that he consumed. It's fucking pouring out of him. And we get our showdown in the radio station where they set this shit on fucking fire. After, after this, after this scene, Mo visits Mr. Fletcher again, the, the head of the distributor dist- distribution company. He's partnered now with the ice cream companies where they're trying to sell the stuff to where it doesn't pollute your mind, but it's just enough to addict, get you addicted to where you keep buying it. So again, uh, capitalism run amok. So this movie's playing on both sides of how it tackles social issues, I guess, to an extent, or, or commentary on those social issues. Um, but the film ends with Mo and Jason forcing the executives to eat their new product called The Taste. And at the very end of the movie, we see that the stuff is still being sold on the black market and it still exists. So that alien substance is still out there and well, enough is never enough. It actually, stuff. it, it, it wasn't, uh, the stuff or, I mean the taste, it was the exact same. Like they were marketing it. I think what you were supposed to take from it is they're marketing it, marketing it as the taste, but it was still the stuff. So I don't think anything had changed because when the final scene happens, when you're in Mr. Burns' office from The Simpsons, I don't know if you noticed that, with the polar bear and everything. That no, office, I didn't. That office was literally Mr. Burns' office from The Simpsons, including the white polar bear. But, oh. yep, but that whole scene with them eating that, the, the whole point of that scene was to prove to them that, yeah, you are marketing this and, and bought off the FDA to say this, but it's still the exact same thing because it wasn't, it wasn't anything. Different. Yeah. It was the exact Mo, same Mo, thing. Mo did say, are you consuming it or is it consuming you? Yeah. Yeah. I like that shit. So getting into final thoughts and ratings here, I am going to go first because I think you're going to come in a little bit higher than I am. So this movie here, I will say to reiterate, I, I, I know I saw at least parts of this when I was a wee lad and I don't remember a lot of it. I just remember, you know, the white stuff, you know, going through like the radio station scene when it's cornering him in that room and yeah. oozing through the hotel room. I remember that as well. Uh, this movie here, I will say that I do have more cons than pros. I would say that I watched probably half this movie a couple nights ago and I, the next day I was like, okay, I was looking to make sure I was watching the right version. I'm like, am I watching an edited version? Because this is moving really, really fast. And I had no idea. I I felt lost. I was like, I, I feel like I'm not following what is going on. My biggest problem with this movie is that it is suffering from its own conveniences in that even though, okay, I I don't like to talk about writing too much because I'm not a writer, nor do I pretend to be a writer. But ironically enough, this movie was directed by a writer that's actually pretty good. 
and I thought the writing on this movie was was fucking horseshit. I thought the character development was just atrocious, and I thought the writing was 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 terrible. I mean, out of all the movies we've done on this podcast, this writing has to be up there with some of the worst I've seen. Nothing made sense. I thought that it was a victim of its own conveniences in that the way that you meet Mo did not make sense because this guy comes in all highfalutin, super cocky. His just the character of Mo really got to me. And the introduction of chocolate Charlie was funny, but it just made no sense. I will say that to me, Watching this movie now without having any nostalgic ties to it, I feel like this is a movie that is going to appeal to movie to people that have only seen this in the past because I just think that nothing of this movie holds up to today. I, I was actually kind of pissed off. I was a little bit frustrated overall. I mean, everything from... You know, the the Moriarty character, he was a fake hard guy. I didn't buy for one second that he was a badass. The colonel was just like, I almost wanted to interrupt you when you were talking about that scene where they, they hop in that trucker and they go across the country and they run mm-hmm. into the colonel who was in some weird castle. Like, yeah, the whole scenes got me like my brain in a fucking pretzel. Like, yep. okay, they're going into a convoluted cast- writing. Dude, it's it just. I was like so confused. I'm like, I, th- that I I literally it's out of nowhere. Yeah, because I I I'm not. Oh man, I'm telling you, I stopped the fucking movie that night because I'm like, okay, I think I'm watching because I watched this on Tubi like Tibu did, and I'm like, I think I'm watching this movie on Tibu. That's like some kind of weird fucking. And and to backtrack even further, this movie was rated R. And I'm watching this. I was like, this isn't rated R. I'm watching some kind of gutted TBS or TNT fucking movie that makes no sense. So I stopped yeah, it's PG-13 it. PG 13 with like two scenes of blood yes. and gore put in. Yeah. And it was kind of late. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit here for an hour and try to figure out what version to watch. And then I figured out that, oh, okay, this is the actual movie. So I finished it the next day and nothing made sense. The Colonel character just put my mind in a pretzel i'm like none of this makes sense the whole scene with okay nothing with the characters worked for me between mo and nicole because the way that they first met with him walking in on that commercial and shutting the whole thing down i'm like okay this is that would never happen no and just the way that it i mean it could happen in certain circumstances but the way that it portrayed it I was like, she okay. immediately was down to fuck. That, that's, that's the next thing I'm getting at because the next scene you get is there. I, 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 and I, I, she I know says it in that scene. She says, yeah, cancel all my appointments. Yep. Then, I'm going she, to dinner. Says, then she, she says, I'm going to dinner, but then, then she says, well, we can go to my hotel. Yes. I was like, I, I know what they're trying to do in that scene. But as far failed. as establish, yeah, as far as establishing, you know, motivations and whatnot, but it just did not. I didn't buy it for one second. No, it failed. And, and then you get to the next scene where they're in the hotel room and she's like naked, so you're assuming that they bang. And that's when the whole scene with them 
meeting the nefarious side of the stuff and that it's like attacking him and on his face and shit. Oh yeah. 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 That scene was good though. Yeah. I, yeah. Th- th- that, that's kind of what we talked about with the whole, you know, rotating hotel, whatever. But so much of this just had me scratching my head, wondering like, what am I missing? Am I watching a gutted version of this or what yeah. that I, Long story short, this movie, I cannot recommend this movie to anybody that's never seen it. If you've seen this, you probably have a high nostalgia factor to it because I can totally see somebody watching this now that says, oh, yeah, this movie, you know, was great as a kid. I loved it as a kid, blah, blah, blah. Watching it now, there's nothing that I can say that would make me want to watch this again. I'm coming in at a four out of ten. Because it was just so convoluted, it was so hard to follow. It was disoriented. It was, I, I, I don't even know, man. It, it's hard for me to even talk about because I'm so all over the place with this movie. It was, it was, it was well, tough. For me, for me, it okay. the The writing is convoluted. I think the plot is overly complicated, but at the same time keeps me interested enough that I want to see what happens next. And the effects also are really cool for the time. Um, I, I will say there were some cool effects. I, I like some of the kills and whatnot. I feel like this is a proto blob remake, which that's what spurred my question on at the beginning, which is like, you think this movie had anything to do with the blob being remade, but, if not, I don't know, but I, I see a lot of similar effects, but The Blob did it better. But this movie does have scenes that I think – I think horror fans should should at least see it, like for, for posterity, like see the film. It's not it's not 100% horrible, like Boss Tuna is saying, it's, but it's also not amazing at all. You could never see it, and you'd be fine. I'm going to come in with a 6.5 out of 10. I think it's I think it's above average. I think it's worth a watch for the effects and for I, I, I like I like I actually do like um Mo Rutherford. I like his character, I like his charm, um, I like his scenes with people, I like his cockiness and how sure of himself he is. Um the the child actors are bad. <laughs> They're all bad. A lot of this is bad. But I still had fun, so I'd say seek it okay. out if you if 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 you just have nothing else to watch, nothing else. Six point five out of ten, above average. I don't want to put you on the spot, but so you're you're saying you like this more than the Blob? What did I give the Blob? A six. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Liked it more. The Blob has better effects. Yes, but I like Mo Rutherford, man. I do. Oh man, it's probably I because do. you got that. He 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 charmed you with that southern accent and and charismatic. I knew you. Vibe. I knew you. I knew you'd say that. Yeah. You know what? You he know just what? Charmed the shit out of Maybe you. Maybe he did. Maybe he did, man. Yeah. I. Uh, you know what? I think the plot's better. I like the story better in this movie than the Blob. I do. Even though the blob has better effects, I like this story more. I do. All right. I think the 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 corporate like co- covert op like shit like going on and the 
how are we going to find it's, out? It's basically just a, I mean, it's consumerism for sure. It's, it's in your face consumerism. Yeah. Well, for it's the, the block. Yeah. For the stuff stuff. Yeah. Yep. For the stuff stuff. <laughs> the stuff. The taste. For the taste. It's a, it's a taste of, yeah. Consumer, you know, uh, commentary on, on people just fucking blindly buying whatever the fuck on the shelf. And right. how convenient it is, but it blows I, my yeah. mind. We're so opposite, and that you like this more than the blob. But hey, man, to each his own. To each his own. I'll say barely. I mean, look, the blob is a classic. I won't deny that. This is not. This is not a classic. But it you said is. You a had cult. more fun with it, though. So I, I can, I, I can get behind that. I did. I, I really do. I, I like the characters more. I don't remember the characters from the blob, but I do from the stuff. Yeah. So. See, yeah, and I'm the exact opposite. I, 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 I think I remember the blob more and better than this, and I watched this like two nights ago or last night or whatever. But all right, well, that wraps up the stuff from 1985. Anything else you want to finish with that before we move on to our next feature review? Yeah, if it's white and it's creamy and you want to put it in your mouth, no one's here to judge you. Whether you spit or swallow it. Yep, just do it. Yep. Go ahead. Find out. Find out. Find out, motherfuckers! All right, friends, we will be right back with our next feature review. Talk is cheap, motherfucker! The Cell, from 2000, rated R, coming in at 107 minutes. This movie comes out to a what point what on the B? Okay. Before we get into IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes like we always do, I want to say a little bit of back backstory for me about this movie. This film I saw, and I, I don't know if our listeners know this, but uh, my, my aunt used to own a video store, but down south we call that our nanny. And in the late 90s, early 2000s era, I was able to see a lot of horror films, a lot of films in general – you know, a little bit before they'd come out because a lot of these video stores get these uh, early releases to see if they want to market the film in their store to their, their clientele. So my nanny would get everything. This is one of the movies, I'll say along notably with Hannibal, that I saw early, earlier than all you bitches got to see it. Lucky. So I saw that, yeah, I saw this movie back in 2001 when, when it came out, at least around... Uh, my area on VHS. That's right, VHS. She wasn't oh, yeah. renting. She was not renting DVDs yet, even in 2001. It's crazy. So th- this film I have not seen since high school. Until this viewing for this show, I wanted to get that out of the way right now, and and also I wanted to say that no one ever talks about this movie on any podcast that I listen to. It's I never brought right. up. It's never brought up. It's never mentioned. No one really that I ever heard ever said anything about the cell. So all that being said, since I've heard nothing about this movie since back in the day, and I really don't know what to go off of, 
based on what I've seen in this movie and what the B, you know, how they kind of gauge things right. and what it tends to roll out as, I would say this movie's give me give me some slack here. I'm gonna say it's between a five point five and a six point five. It's in that that range somewhere. It's on the higher end of that range. And it's a six point four. Okay. So you're All right. close. Yeah. Okay. What about what about Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score? Critic score for this this type of movie? Man, I would probably guess in like the 70% range. 45%. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and I might be able to see why that might be too, because this movie's a little bit derivative in, in, in a lot of different ways, but um, we'll get to the plot in a minute. Yep. And there's something else I'm going to say here shortly that is going to be interesting to you, I believe. Take a, take a stab at the budget. The budget of this film with Jennifer Lopez, a young Vince Vaughn, but Vincent D'Onofrio, who probably wasn't asking a lot, but, you know, mixed with the imagery, the stellar fucking imagery. I mean, I think that can't even really be argued with. 20 million range in the 20s. 33 million. 33 million. Okay. All right. So right, a, right, a hair above there. What, what do you think it made theatrically? So Probably next to nothing. 33 million budget. Um, theatrically. Uh, less than 10 million. 104 million. What? Yeah. So this movie was a huge success. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Whoa. And, yep. Is so couple interesting things here. The hold director, on, hold on. before okay. you get into your into your tidbits, what was the audience score for from Rotten Tomatoes? You don't have it? No, I usually. I mean, I'll Shit. stay away from the audience score unless it vastly differs, because basically the audience score is what the IMDb one is. Oh, all right, all right, okay, okay. Well, then, all right. So a little above average from the audience. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry. So, no, you're good. Tarsum Singh directed this movie. He's mostly, he's, he's kind of like the uh, Jonas Ackerland. And who else am I thinking of that's a big music director? We've had a handful of them on the show. Music the, video director? Music video director, yep. Oh, uh, Rob Zombie did uh, a lot of his own videos, I believe. Yeah, um, Trent, I think Trent Reznor also, didn't he direct yeah, some Yeah, no, videos? I'm thinking like, but they've got like some legit blockbusters out there. Oh, David Fincher was a music video director. Yes, David Fincher. Yep, he's, he's what I'm thinking of as well. This... I've well, seen his other film, The Fall, by the way, this director. Tarsum Singh? I've, yeah, I've seen his, his film, okay. The Fall. I haven't seen that. Yeah. So what I have in my notes is he's mostly known for music videos, but he also did Immortals and Selfless, which I've seen both of those as well. The interesting thing with this movie is that it was written by Mark Protasevich, and he had some legit movies that he had written for. Uh, really impressed me was I Am Legend, because I am an I Am Legend apologist. I love, love, love that movie. He also wrote Thor, and another one is Old Boy. The so, original? That's a good, yeah, because that's Japanese, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's Jap, that's, yeah, well, or, from, yeah. oh, no, that's, yeah, that's in the mid-2000s, right? Old Boy? I don't, I, I hey, everyone. And Boss Tuna, I've never seen Old Boy, <laughs> the original or the remake. So 
that's on the back burner. It's got to be the remake now that I think about it. I don't know why he would have written. Uh, someone fact check that. Uh, where's our producer at? Email show at gmail.com and let us know who the fuck wrote old boy. We're not going to look at it. So you email in. Yep. Yep. It's too tough to, to Google that right now. We talked about some of the actors, actresses with this JLo, AKA Jennifer Lawrence is a big one. She no. probably Jennifer Lopez. Oh Jesus. Did I say Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah. Jennifer Lopez. Good God. Yes, sir. Yeah, Jennifer Lopez hasn't done anything in forever. That's probably why <laughs> Jennifer hey, Lopez. She ain't got to. She'd be backing that up. Mm, yep. That's right. I'm going to go there. She'd be backing up that bank, that bank account. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. And that, and that booty. Yep. That, yep. <laughs> Alex Rodriguez, what were you thinking? Letting that go. And Ben Affleck. Too, wasn't it? And Ben Affleck. You're never getting anything else, Batfleck. Anything Bat. else that's going to be that, that from the block, son. What, what do you think her – when you say, you know, Jennifer Lopez, most uh, notable movie, what do you think of? Me personally? Well, uh, the mo- uh, Yeah, G- well, I'm saying like I don't – it always comes up G Lee because it was such a bomb. Right. That it, it, just, it just supersedes anything else she did. Besides that, it's this movie. Like this oh, is the movie. No. Yeah. For me, it's Anaconda. And that's and that's fine, but I've never I've only seen Anaconda like maybe twice in my life. I'm not a big fan of uh, oh, sure. that 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 movie. Um, gotcha. No, when I think of her as an actress, I guess I just think of Anaconda. I'm not really sure because I don't think it's a overly good movie, but but anyways, it's got its love. It's got its love. Yep. Vince Vaughn. We've talked about him quite a few times. Horror related would be Freaky and then Psycho, which. I'm a fan of that movie, but yeah, we talked about yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. We talked about him as well. Uh, rings sinister. Dylan Baker is a friend of the show. Most notable again, trick or treat Jake Weber. I recognize him right away from the Dawn of the dead remake. Dean Norris, who he's like, um, do you know who Michael Chiklis is? Yeah, he's the guy from The Shield. Right, right, yeah. Dean Norris and Michael Chiklis could be the same guy. No. Because they're, well. Totally different chops. Totally different right. chops. Right, but I'm just saying as far as looks and how they've got just these character well, roles, right? Yeah, they're both like these they're bald not, kind of pudgy police guys. Yeah, exactly. They're just typecast into these roles where the average horror fan or not well let's just say the average movie fan in general you say dean norris and they're like what no you show them very recognizable face we'll just say that i i don't know exactly um off the top of my head where this film takes place i don't remember but i think it's california well fuck that in my head canon this is hank schrader from breaking bad from breaking bad yep yeah, it, earlier in his career, before he becomes a, det- a full-blown detective and he's trying to, you know, he's helping out on these cases and shit. So, to me, this yeah. takes place in the same universe as Breaking Bad for yep. whatever just, fucking reason. He just reason. moved uh, east a little bit. He just moved out of California into New Mexico. and 
This also in my head canon, the technology in this film is the prototype technology for the technology in Possessor. Yeah, didn't even think of that. Did not even think of that. Oh, we going there tonight. It's funny because little side tangent, Possessor. There, I'm a huge fan of Letterkenny. It's a show that's on Hulu. Uh, it's a comedy. It, it's it's. I mean, if you like hockey, you're into hockey stuff. It's gonna be right up your alley. But one of the main actresses in Letterkenny was in. She was the friend whose apartment they used in Possessor. Whoa. Yep. So she's in, she's a Canadian actress in this show. So anyways, every, I just watched uh, an episode uh, <laughs> earlier. So I was like, Oh yeah. Anyways, lastly, Prue Taylor Vince, huge friend of the show. God, we've talked about him numerous times. He's this guy. It's, it's, it amazes me how much he is in, even though every time I see him, I go through his IMDb. And I just forget that. Yeah, well, yeah, he's in this too, and he's in this too. But yeah, we talked about him. Well, we did a um, actor spotlight on him. We talked about him in depth with Devil's Candy. We briefly talked about him in. Oh, God bless it! What the heck is the movie we just talked about with him in it? Early on, cop, uh, Devil movie, Robert De Niro. Oh, uh, yeah, fucking Mickey Rourke, uh, Angel Heart. Angel Heart, yes. yes. <laughs> I had a super brain fart just now. Yep, yep, so did I. Okay, so trivia-wise, really one thing that caught my eye that I wanted to touch on was earlier when you were talking about how this movie is underseen, undervalued. Ironically enough... I didn't say undervalued. Well, by the general it's just not talked about. populace, yeah. I would say, maybe. But. The horror community does not really talk about the cell, ever. No, no. But this is Roger Ebert. It's in his top ten of the two thousands. He was really a big fan of this movie. Which kind yeah, of he, he yeah he gave it four out of four stars. Yep. Yep. Crazy. Ironically is enough, it? what's that? Oh, uh, nothing. R the writer Mark Protasevich actually disowns this movie because he says it's nothing like the original script that he wrote. Which I'm curious because if I would have seen that and it was a lesser known or, or even a writer that I had not been familiar with, I wouldn't have thought much about it. But given the chops that he's actually got some pretty good movies that he's written for, I'm curious what his script looked like if it was, you know, well, given the Stephen King treatment or whatever, you know. I'll say this. In the original Star Wars script, Han Solo was a green alien. So there you go. Sounds like a big whiny-ass baby. Sounds like a whiny-ass baby writer. <laughs> Being all whiny with that fat chick. Yeah, right, yeah. He, yeah, he still got paid for it. That's a crazy thing. That's what I'm saying. He, well, he's on the credits, so yeah, he definitely got paid. And if this movie made the money you're, you're saying it made, then holy shit, he got paid. He got paid big time. He got paid J-Lo backside bucks. Whew, that's a fat check. That's a fat ass, thick ass <laughs> check. <laughs> yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. Anything? Oh, I guess I, I'll get into my memories. So when you pick this movie, ironically enough, I've wanted to rewatch it and see it again. Mm -hmm. Funny story when it comes to The Cell 2000. I want to say the first time I saw this, I think I've only seen this once before. Maybe caught some snippets here and there. The scene where with the water tank, 
if you will. Mm-hmm. I must have seen that in a snippet at one other point, or else that scene was powerful enough where I had remembered it. But even though I had recently, and recently to me is in the last like five years, seen Silence of the Lambs, I was mm-hmm. watching this movie and I had the biggest like deja vu, like brain fart, like what the fuck am I watching here? I had to double, like do a double take because I, before watching this for the rewatch, I would have bet a lot of money that that was in, because you know how there's that, that dual story with Silence of the Lambs? Yes. Lecter and Buffalo Bill. So I thought this was a Buffalo Bill thing. This is why I said earlier, I could see why critics would call this movie derivative because the plot is essentially Silence of the Lambs as far as the victim goes and, and right. how they're, yeah. So also the, uh, the, what you called it that she's, the victim is kept in the uh, water tank, the water tank. It looks like the cell that Hannibal Lecter is kept in, in the right. basement of this Gothic fucking mental institution. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's, so I, I definitely parallels parallels. Yep. yep. Stole the word right out of my mouth. Yeah, I definitely drew some parallels with it. And I was actually excited because when you, I'm not going to lie, when you first picked the cell, I was like, fuck, here we go. We got Darkness Falls Part 2, so whatever. Let's just watch it and see what happens. Darkness Falls Part 2? What the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) That movie needs, we need to figure out a new rating system where we give negative numbers to films. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. (laughs) but no i was pleasantly surprised when i was like oh i forgot okay so this was in this okay yeah i was like okay that wasn't in seven or silence of the lambs and one of these other police procedural deals so and see i'm 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 i am a fan of i know this you know i don't know if this is corny or not because i i liked um law and order svu I enjoyed that show. Detective Benson was my bitch. And I like any time a film goes into the police procedural or the detective hunt or the court courtroom uh, ordeal where they go through that, that, that whole scenario. Yeah. I love that shit that, that gets my blood boiling. So this movie doesn't involve courtrooms, but it does involve, like we said, uh, D- Detective Hank Schrader. <laughs> no, right. Uh, it does involve the cops. So, um, investigating some heinous shit. Yeah, it's derivative of Silence of the Lambs, but um, I would say we'll we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Well. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I have. Unless you want to get into this, I want to preface this for the listeners. Unlike our last review for the stuff where we had our normal scene by scene breakdown. This movie, we're going to be a little bit more conversational, and we're just going to kind of talk through the film. I'm excited that I picked this movie. I'm excited you hadn't seen it in such a long time, because I want to see what someone in 2021's take on this film is, especially a uh, seasoned horror fan such as yourself. Well, I appreciate that, and I can't wait for us to get into Darkness Falls Part 2. I mean, uh, The Cell. (sighs) All right. Lord, give me strength. (laughs) Can I ask you something? Have you 
ever heard of Wayland's infraction? You work here. You take it home in this. The first few minutes will be very disorienting. Remember to stay calm and focused. Instincts play a very important part here, so trust them. You've read her file. Hit her with something personal. And remember, it's not real. Come on, stop playing around. So The Cell, 2000. This movie begins in a crazy landscape, a desert landscape, beautifully shot. Can I get a beautifully shot, amen? Beautifully shot, amen, brother. All right. We got a, we got a, a uh, sultry desert sultaness. I don't know what, a, what the female version of a sultan is. She's not dressed like a sultan, but... J-Lo comes dressed riding up on a horse. Mm. She would? She's dressed with some. Oh, dude. <laughs> J-Lo comes riding up on a horse. and <laughs> I was that can't... horse when I closed my eyes. We can't keep making these jokes. I was about to say that. We cannot keep <laughs> making these. Look, okay, Jennifer Lopez is a very attractive woman. We are two men talking about a very attractive woman. What do you want? All right. So she comes rolling up on this horse, gets off the horse, and walks for like five miles. Yeah, <laughs> but that's J-Lo's ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clapping all the way. She walks for five miles in, okay, this turns out to be in someone's mind, a little boy's mind. Uh, I- I'm just jumping to this because I-, I, wanna, I wanna ask the question, why is she walking so long in this in this dreamscape like why did you just ride your fucking horse all the way there because you want to have been able to have this super awesome panning shot of her climbing up a fucking sand dune that's why but in all seriousness i think the way i think they did touch on this a little bit later when she entered or vincent Stargate. what Stargate. oh <laughs> Stargate SG-1 or when she entered no. his mind and yeah. it was this big complex 
you know, like it took a while for her to find where she needed to go. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know why she just, or wait, she got off the horse and the horse turned into a chess piece. I don't know well, yeah. Okay. So yeah. In this movie, dream logic is a real thing because uh, our main protagonist is again played by Jennifer Lo- uh, Lopez. I almost said Lawrence because of oh, you. Oh shit! Doctor Catherine Dean. Okay, and she is an expert in the field of I'm traveling into your mind. Apparently, she's a mediocre child psychologist, according to some characters later in the film. She didn't come highly recommended, but what was what what did what did one of the characters say about her? It's like her passion or her ability to talk to kids or something yeah. like that. Yep, yep. Yeah, they that that made them take a second glance at her. And so she got, I guess, scooped up into this uh billionaire's project of entering into people's minds through this insane I don't know, like skin suit that they strap onto you and they inject you with this drug. And then you put on a, there's, there's a lot of movies that play with the same trope, if you will. And I think a but, good one that you had mentioned was possessor. But later I was going to say, but later they play with this trope. This movie was doing something like this. I don't even know of a movie that did anything, anything kind of like this in the same sense where the detective story. What's that? Prior? Yeah, prior. Right. Where, where, where a detective story plays out in the mind of a serial killer and you're investigating the serial killer by going into their mind. It's, it, yeah. To me, that, that alone, that, that concept is, is unique. And when I was younger, it definitely you know, captured my imagination. But So j has going through a desert landscape, encounters a, a child sitting on a log and they talk about they were going to go sailing today supposed to and the child says maki lock is coming or won't let him go sailing maki lock sounds like a boogeyman and it turns out that the kid gets that name from a uh like a nursery rhyme or something like that he transforms into like a crazy fish monster again dream logic full force because she's in this she's literally in the mind of the person she's trying to reach trying to help trying to see them through their their issues this little boy is a special case he's in a coma right yes yep so he's in a coma and ultimately she pops out of this dream and you realize that they're in some independent it's not even a hospital but they're in this independent facility and yeah boy this it's an experimental process they're using and he is kind of the guinea pig and this is the first and only patient they have and they're trying to find out if it's if it's gonna work i mean yeah the dad and the mom are funding the fuck out of this place they must be billionaires yeah super super modern looks expensive all that shit looks really expensive the entire facility that was a huge facility too for one (laughs) one yeah no yeah no doubt and and they have this fucking rigmarole with the parents where they're 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 tired of their son you know no results they're they're seeing no results yeah and j-lo has to break it down for him pretty much and explain you know 
this could take time. Well, the, they're ready to pull the plug. Yeah, I mean, they have not they have other doctors the there. No, not <laughs> not on the kid. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this boy. Fuck yeah. all these billions yeah, we're, we're wasting on this big building and this fucking futuristic possessor technology. <laughs> yeah. We're closing this down. They agree to let her continue um, diving Six in. Months. Yeah, they give her some time, and. I want to get into this right now. The the victims you were mentioning before, the victim in this film that's placed on the timeline that we're watching the movie because there are prior victims. There's that word prior again, word of the day. We see a girl in a water tank. It's a glass enclosure. It Well, it looks plastic, but I guess it's glass. There's no telling. Polyurethane, something. <laughs> yep. And what happens with, with, with these victims is that slowly, over time, water fills up this water tank. Hence why Boston is calling it that. It pours in through what looks like a, uh, I don't know, like a fire alarm sprinkler. Yep. And it, eventually it does this until they're completely covered and they drown. Yeah, they, they drown, yep. The person pulling off this crazy-ass fucking feat of evil is a guy named Starger. Let's see. An Vincent almost Dan unrecognizable Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, Carl Starger. Yeah. Carl Rudolph Star Starger. You always got to have three names gotta for have a serial an, yep, killer. Got to have a middle name in there, correct. Yeah, dude, D'Onofrio looks young as fuck in this movie. Yeah, he does. Was he that young at the time of this filming? Because he's an old man now, but that's only 20 years ago. I don't think he's old, old now, is he? I mean, he's got to be 50s. I bet he's 30 in this movie. Man, see, and that's it's it, it fucks me up because I know he was in Full Metal Jacket. Um, that right. Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, for anyone who's not aware, if you've ever seen the film Full Metal Jacket, he's the <laughs> the victim of abuse from Arlie Ermey. He's Private Pyle, as he's called in the film. That's not his actual name, but that's what Arlie Ermey calls him. Oh, I bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. <laughs> and that was so much real fucking dialogue from Arlie right. Ermey, too, by the way. Yep. I can't go on that tangent. But uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is the serial killer in this film, and if anyone doesn't know about his pedigree, D'Onofrio brings it every fucking time. He's very, very, very talented actor. Very talented. Yeah. And I, I, I think he brings it in this film with the little, the little he's given as far as he's, well, he's not on camera a lot, not a lot, but, but kind of like Hannibal Lecter, not, not nearly as short of a screen time. Uh, I think Anthony Hopkins was only on film for like 16 minutes for that whole movie. Yeah. I think, I think Starger, I think D'Onofrio gets a little bit more screen gets, time, yeah, but sure. most of it is in this uh, mindscape. We're going to call it where he's this tyrannical well he bounces back and forth between a tyrannical force of nature and a scared child so so uh, let me we're let, jumping way ahead but yeah i i i will say that get get excited because that's i, I love how he is so polar opposite and yeah two, yeah we'll get to it though mm -hmm. so Starger is hunting down his next victim. You see him capture, you see him uh, ensnare her and, and trap her in, in this water tank. And uh, he goes through with the killing and suspends himself through these D-rings, these hooks in his back 
that he can levitate like basically over the table through by, by way of chains of his victim that's drowned bleached white and looks like a doll uh which i think is important for the psychology of the the character yeah. and he yeah, gets he, off doing this yeah he suspends himself over her and that's a real thing i forget what they call it but yeah there's there's people that will literally get off on that kind of shit but yeah he suspends himself up on that weird hoist and he uh yeah for for anyone listening (laughs) well he can't reach his own dick which is weird because of how he's suspended there are hooks in his arms and his back so he's basically oh i didn't i didn't even realize that yeah if you watch the scene his arms are spread out he can't touch his own his own dick but yes he he nuts he he's looking over his victim and he so he's suspended laying flat above them in midair from chains in his back, his legs, his arms. And he, uh, yeah, he's a freak. Freaking. Thanks to, <laughs> thanks, thanks to Jennifer Lopez. We find out why he's a freak, man. It turns out this guy has a, uh, an albino dog. Okay. This is the linchpin. Yes. That brings this motherfucker down. I love that dog. It's like, it's like, a, it's like an albino German Shepherd. Beautiful dog. Beautiful dog. Beautiful dog, bad boy. Because he, he's also a, uh, a uh, uh, what you call it, accessory to murder. No. The dog. Yeah, I see yeah. what you're going to say. Well, when, when, well, he is. When you see, when you see uh, hit, uh, D'Onofrio trap. What? What he's trained the dog to do? Yeah, when 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 D'Onofrio was tracking his next victim, when when we're following that part of the story, um, she's walking through a parking garage, and the dog pretends to get hit by her while she's backing up out of out of her parking space. But the dog's just laying there. That it, it it's trained to do that. Yeah, it doesn't know what it's doing, but you know, that allows him to sneak up and fucking inject them, and you know, do what he's got to do to get them to his water tank. So this albino dog, though, is is the reason he gets brought down. You got Vince Vaughn and a whole other slew of cops and detectives trying to figure out who this guy is. A very young Vince Vaughn at that too. Yeah, and and, and a different role as well. There, there's not a whole lot of roles where he's not doing his comedic shtick. You know, between this Psycho, Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine, especially earlier in his career. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing funny about this performance from him. No, there's Um, no comedy in this entire movie. No, no. Uh, He, he, Vince Vaughn's on the trail, and they, uh, an older detective, figures out that the hair is left behind on one of the victims, or something like that. Yeah, the one that he dumps off the uh, the interstate, like he wants to be caught. That's what Vince Vaughn's conclusion is. Is like this dude wants to be found. He's 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 getting to the point where. It, his his cycle of killing is speeding up, and he's being sloppy. He he's tired. He's done. Basically. I'd almost say that's stereotypes, not the right word, but it, it's a it's a cycle. It's part of the cycle of of a serial killer. I think. That yeah. At some it point, is. it seems like most of them either want to get caught or they want some kind of recognition. Yeah. And they ultimately do become sloppy at what they do, and and I or maybe it's just cocky. They're like, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm I'm not going to get caught kind of thing but i did like the police procedural part of this movie because there were some 
interesting things that they had to get pretty creative with how they're going to find them. And that one hair from the dog and then sending in yeah. forensics and finding out that it's super rare. And yeah, there's some legit police work that goes into it. I love that older detective saying, like he says the scientific name of what albinoism is, if that's a word. I don't know what the proper term is, but he, he says it and he kind of chuckles and they're like, well, what's that? And he's like, the dog's an albino. And, and from that moment on, you know that rare ass dog is going to be tracked down. And sure enough, the cops track down Carl Starger. But unbeknownst to them, he's got this rare form of schizophrenia that causes your brain to fucking burst at some point. I guess you have like an aneurysm or something happens. It, it said that water could, could spur it on. And he's, we see Carl sitting in the tub right before this happens. This event yeah, takes place. The irony, he starts, yep. Right as they're about ready to bust his door down. Yeah. The police are literally about to barge in and he's singing a poem to himself, like a kitty divey. I do too. Would you like, it's some weird thing that keeps getting repeated throughout the film. I wish I'd have wrote it down, honestly. Um, Cause it's kind of haunting later in a later scene involving Vince Vaughn and him. Um, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I think you do. <laughs> they burst in the, the cops come in, but they, they just find a comatose serial killer. It's him. They, they, they got the dog. They got him dead to rights. He's the guy. Only problem is they don't know where he keeps his victims and they have a short time before that water tank fills up. So there's a race now to figure out where his victim is. How are they going to do that? Well, they're going to bring in motherfucking JLo. She's going to dive into his killer ass mind, his far gone crazy mind. And try to figure out where another he hides parallel his that really reminds me of Silence of the Lambs, and that the movie gets to this point, and it's a whole, it's it's not even another chapter. Well, it is, but it's almost like a whole separate movie. In that, okay, we all of that was to build up to this point right here, and this mm -hmm. is this is the hinge. This is yep. where part two starts. And I think I think at this point you're about forty five minutes to an hour in. Yeah, um, I'd say at least a long way. You've had a lot of buildup, and you've had some character development, especially with Vince Vaughn, where he he kind of halfway reveals that he was molested as a kid. That's or or at, least, at the very least abused when they're sitting outside the that expensive billionaire facility. <laughs> Through their conversation, that's kind of what you what you glean from that. It's not said. But it's insinuated. Um, and he's a very Vince Vaughn's character is very dry. Yeah, but you can tell he's very smart as well. He the way he carries himself, he's a really young FBI agent, but he's almost a savant, which I thought was interesting. How they had that in this type of movie, because you you know rather than. We talked there there are the the police procedural parts as well, but the way he does things is a little bit different. He's a lot more calculated than than his partner, who is clearly more of the seasoned yeah detective. You need to watch the Night Stalker on Netflix if you haven't yet, and that goes for everyone out there listening because the the that documentary series follows 
the police side of that story of Richard Ramirez. And it's the same deal where this young up and coming detective had a theory that all these murders were the same killer, even though it seemed unrelated. And a seasoned veteran who had caught the hillside strangler said, I want him as my partner. And all the other detectives on the force had to eat crow because they were making fun of this guy for having that theory. Turns out that guy was right. And he was on the trail of the night stalker. So I, I like, I like that aspect too of the young, but passionate FBI guy. That's going to fucking, and you could tell he cares too, yep. especially by the end. I mean, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the, the caring and stuff, but, I think he's got some some emotions tied into all this too. He's not he's not so deep into his career like you're saying. Like like he's still young, that right. he's he's beaten down by it. You know, he still wants to fucking. He's hungry, and you can tell he's hungry because J Lo goes into the mind of the serial killer Carl Starger, and it's a it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare. This is where the movie got. I was really starting to get interested at this point. You can almost say it was a little bit slow. It was a build up, but this right here is where the movie really kind of started to draw me in a little bit. And not to say I was bored before, but as soon as she goes in, you can tell, okay, this is getting pretty dark right here. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll let you, it's funny. I'm actually just going to go ahead and, Continue this. I was, I was waiting to save it. So on Slasher, someone posted a meme, and it was the mirrors coming down and chopping the horse up. Yeah. And there was tons of people on there that were like, oh, what movie is that from? I can't re- remember. And I was like, oh, well, we just watched it. <laughs> Stay tuned. The episode's coming out. So I thought that was ironic right there. I'd never seen that meme before. but Or it was a GIF, right? A GIF is the animated one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And isn't it? Is- right isn't it funny that a lot of people were saying they didn't know where it was from because this movie's never talked about. Right. Right. So yeah. Jennifer Lopez enters this nightmare of, of, of a killer's mind, which is kind of like a weird museum of some sort. And there's a lot of grotesque or, or macabre artwork and, and just the imagery itself is, Dilap- dilapidated structures and cracked edges and everything from the early two thousands, yeah, that you would expect to see in like a grungy music video. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not industrial, but but almost almost classical in a way. In in some ways, it's hard to describe the art in this film because it's so blended from so many different. And I think this director, based on having seen his film The Fall which is also very visually driven. I think this, this director pulls a lot of inspiration from artwork because the horse being, I don't know what that term is either. Yeah. There's a, there's a scene where she comes across a horse that's standing in the middle of a room full of art. And these, all these glass plates suddenly slide down from the ceiling, that little tiny baby boy version in his mind, Carl Starger, there's a little kid version of him running around in here. Innocence, yeah. The innocence of him that still exists inside of himself that, that kind of tries to warn her away from it. And she, she gets away and all these glass plates drop on this horse and spread out 
giving you a it's like a cross like section a, of what it reminded me of like what you'd look at with the little pieces under a microscope well it's like a cat scan or something of a right. of a like layers of the horse yep all it's throughout really cool. these glass very, plates very cool scene. and the horse is still alive by the way you see the organs the heart yep. beating all that shit's still working so the horse is probably in pain but that that that's that's uh an artistic work actually and so later in the film when you see the three women sitting on the ground facing straight up at the sky that's also from a painting there's a lot of pieces in this movie that that are from actual artistic works um so the inspiration's worn heavy on the sleeve yes so this yeah this is one of those where you would definitely get a lot more with subsequent viewings of this movie because Everything in his mind, everything that she is seeing is there for a reason. And it may just be portrayed different through, because we're looking at everything through his eyes. So even though she's, you know, and and there's going to be, you know, I don't know what it is, but the scene with the horse does have some kind of significance. You know, I'm sure if I thought about it more or would watch it again, you'd be like, oh, well, that's why he saw that and is doing that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to save that bit for everyone else to find out on their own look up that piece of artwork watch this movie figure that part out but there's there's a lot of these these um tributes to art in the killer's apartment too they're very brief because you don't spend a lot of time in his apartment but there's a lot of semblance in his apartment that later reflects in his mind in the film's imagery so Yes, you're right. Subsequent viewings of this film definitely pay off. The first viewing of it, I would agree, man. Seems very slow. When you watch it a few times, eh, kind of changes up a little bit. But Jennifer Jennifer Lopez is trying to establish a connection with the innocence of Carl Starger. She's trying to see where his... Victims are being held, number one, because time is of the essence. What is the limit? Like 48 hours? Yeah, that they're, and they're just Where they, they think that the, they, they're spitballing, yeah. yeah. They think the they're, tank's going to flood. Yeah, before the tank floods. So tight time frame. But the whole – and she was very apprehensive about this procedure because she had been working with this one boy for – wasn't 18 months or something like that before. Yeah. And she has, so, yeah, she has to go in, basically gain his trust and well like she was saying too his mind is detached from reality so oh this is a fun thing about this movie and and it's and it's it's story that i like a lot and and how the logic of this this works this technology if she's in there long enough or if the mind itself is so detached that's what i was just going to touch on but i knew you were going to be bringing that up if if she's there too long, she'll start to think that what she's seeing and experiencing yeah. is actually real, and it could actually affect her physical body on the outside, like possessor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If, if your your brain, you know, and it's that whole urban legend or old wives' tale where if you die in a dream, you die in real life, kind of thing. So yeah. it's definitely playing on that that quote unquote real life fear people have that's some spooky fun shit that i love i love they've got a fail safe they've got a little button that's imprinted right in the palm of her hand kind of thing that Mm -hmm. uh that she can use to pull herself out kind of thing which i would never 
pull out J Lo or pull my. Oh! So. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. They they have this <laughs> this device surgically implanted in their hand that they can press. Uh, in the dream, it works somehow. In the in the mindscape, it works somehow that they press that part of their body and it wakes them up. Whatever. It sends the signal from the brain to the hand, I guess. You know, I, I'm not a neuroscientist. I don't fucking know how to make that, that happen. But, hey, man, billionaire money. It makes that right. shit happen. Right, right. Yeah. She pulls out of those dreams a few times. But she's learning over time that his father was so abusive to him and degradating to him. Would cut him down left and right. Beat the shit out of him. And she's really this, feeling sorry for him, yeah. And the audience and me, I assume, would also as well. That's what the movie's trying to get you to go for is to feel some sympathy for him. And for me, it works. Um, I see the kid version of him and I see how that type of lifestyle or upbringing could. Uh, it it yeah, eventually def- broke him, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he became a, a fucking serial killer because of it. And. She's learning this over time, but it gets to the point to where she gets trapped in his fucking Right. This landscape. is a lot different from her walking on sand dunes to some little boy. This right here is straight nightmare fuel the very first time she walks in. She lasted like five minutes, which was four minutes and thirty seconds longer than I'd last with her. Yeah, but- she got attacked by she got attacked by like this huge, muscular, topless woman. That's all I'm gonna say. Yep. Yep. It, it reminded me of 13 ghosts. I mother trucker. You're, you're, you're speaking my language. That was literally the next thing I was going to say is, yep. She's not, she's not ready for this. She's not built for this. They, there's no preparation or anything. So she's no. a little bit scared, which, and they do a good job as far as, yeah. When you see this, like, you know, power lifting, <laughs> I mean, it looked like Goro kind of yeah. like, a version of Goro coming at her. With tits, or no, with is it bare... Shiva? Shiva's the the female. Yeah, one. she is the Shiva. Yeah. yeah, Shiva's the one, and she's got. But unlike Shiva, this 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 person had bare tits and yep. fucked her up, and carried her to the tyrant. The he's a god in this world, and he is scary, man. He's a yep. freak show, and it's played by Vincent D'Onofrio yet again. With my favorite part of the movie is his portrayal of this character. Where do you come from? Yeah. I will always have that that line buried in my psyche because when I first saw that as a kid, that scene wanted to make me go crawl into the other room. I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And and it's funny because if you think about it, everything that she sees is what he built. Mm -hmm. He sees something he doesn't recognize, so he's like – what the fuck's going on? Because he doesn't yeah. know that it's a dream. It's literally, this is my world. I am Satan. You are in my hell. And I didn't put you here, so who are you kind of thing. And that line is so perfect. It's not who are you. It's where do you come from? That's yeah. exactly right. Yep. You're right. Because it's his mindscape that she's yep. in. It's everything he's built. I love that, man. That makes me think of Dr. Sleep, like the, the, the filing cabinets in Abra's Dr. Sleep. What? Haven't seen it yet. Ooh. Okay. I've got I've got 
the DVD. I'm going to shush. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, she, she pulls out a handful of times, but it gets to the point to where she's stuck in there stop now. She, saying pulling out and Jennifer she, she thinks she's the queen of this hell, and she's the wife of uh, the demonic Carl Starger nightmare demon that's in this mindscape. And so Vince Vaughn, and this is established earlier in the film that a third person could enter the same mind, a second person could enter the same mind. They, they set this room up for two psychologists to be able to communicate with a patient, but it didn't work out. So they kind of nixed it, but he just jumps right in like, fuck it. I'm going in. He goes in and it's a big mistake at first, <laughs> but they, they tell him, the, 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 the people running the show behind the scenes that monitor everything that's going on, they tell him, if you tell her something only she would know from her life, a private thing, it'll s snap her out of it. Like, she'll come back. So he goes in armed with the knowledge that her baby brother died in, uh, early in her life or something like that. Yeah, and that's what drew her to the career. The, yeah, to the field of child psychology, right. yeah. So again, tying in plot plot details, I, I like this shit. Um, Vince Vaughn goes in, but gets he gets captured and put put down to this. He's he's chained down to this uh, slab, and it's straight up, it's something that you would see in these little pencil drawings from the the um, Dark Ages contraption. Oh, dude. Yeah, he's chained down. He's he's flat on his back, and <laughs> Starger is having a field day. He's dressed like this. He's dressed like a demonic golden sultan, right? He's yeah. got the wardrobe, the hat. He's like an evil pope. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but he takes these huge snippers, these huge larger-than-life scissors, and buries them into the abdomen of Vince Vaughn, snips the, the flesh of the stomach open. Takes and this, even it, though he knows it's not happening in real life, he is feeling the pain. Oh, he's screaming. He's losing his mind because he's trying to wake J-Lo up. She's sitting on the bed across the room, all dolled up in this. Again, I, I can't even describe the imagery in this movie sometimes because it's so artistically I mean, unique. I, I'm not a big fan of Guillermo del Toro, but I was definitely getting Guillermo del Toro vibes in certain parts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan and I'll say yes. Yes. The imagery is very distinct to a style that this movie has its own style uh, to me uh, with the blending of artwork and, and the blending of costumes. This movie, man, the costumes and imagery, it's crazy, but he's freaking the fuck out. And there's a, like a little spindle, a spit that you would roast like a chicken or a pig on suspended above his abdomen and it's all spiky it's got spikes on it and starger pulls out i guess it's his small intestines yeah vince vaughn's small intestines from the the scissor wound and and starts to spin it on this spit while saying the nursery rhyme that I wish I would have wrote down because he's singing that little nursery rhyme and yep. mocking vince vaughn while he screams in pain and 
Oh, dude. This, I, I this, paused this at this point and was Googling how many feet of small intestine do you have? And it was like some people a have lot. Up to 23 feet of small intestine. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, it's a lot. You have, you have a lot of intestine inside of you. And you see a lot of Vince Vaughn intestine in this scene. He finally comes out with her baby brother's death and she snaps out of it and stabs Starger in the back. And they're able to get to a safe place in his mind because of this. They don't pull out, right? They don't pull out right here. They go to a different spot. Uh, yeah, I, I don't exactly remember. Because but... I remember him being pissed off and being like, what the fuck just happened? And she's like, it's okay. I'm, I'm better now. Like, it's all good. We're in his mind. And they're in this, this room that has like these waterfalls going on and the little kid version of Stargers running around. They, they figure out by this point they need to get the information from him or they need to be led by him. Once they figure out that, that uh, they're, trying, they're trying to get out of there, they're going to make their escape, what, what happens is Vince Vaughn sees an insignia in this room that pulls something from his detective memory, and he wants to track down what this insignia means. So when he pulls himself out of, of the dream world, they, they both come out. JLo and Vince Vaughn, he starts to, he, he gives the order, like pinpoint what this insignia means. What is this symbol? Turns out it was part of uh, some contraption. Contrap right? Well, it, yeah, it came from a, a, like a warehouse or something where these things were built. They, the police managed to track it down to where the victim, the girl in this movie, is being held in the water tank and it's nearly full. So they're flying there. The police, including Vince Vaughn, are flying there by chopper, like trying to figure out what the fuck, like how to get her out. Where is she up, even over there? They ended up finding out that they were able to track down the place he had his hanging deal fabricated. That's what it is. Yes. Yep. yep. And then they were able to figure out that the place he had, that rental property, they were able to figure out how and who that was least two or whatnot but that's how they ended up catching him was his weird little what do they call that i know it's not hanging suspension mm -hmm. yeah, suspension people that are into suspension so that's how yeah. ultimately he was tracked down yeah again again more plot details being tied back into how they're going to find this guy I, li I like that again so while that's happening j-lo gets back into the skin suit and reverses the feed, which is something they've said before is not kosher. Like don't do that. Reversing the feed means she, instead of going into the killer's mind or the patient's mind, she's taking them into hers. So she creates a safe space for the little kid version of Starger and it doesn't go too well. He reverts back to the demonic version of himself, King Starger they kind of have it out in an epic way in a, again, dreamscape. I can't describe it. It's something you kind of have to see for yourself, but he eventually recounts a story to her where when he was younger, he drowned a, a, a baby bird because it was injured. He drowned it out of mercy because he knew if he took the injured bird home, his dad would do something far worse to it. So in his innocent mind, he was like, well, I'll kill it now and save it the struggle. And this is, this is where she's giving him a bath or something, right? Is this? Well, what, it's what spurs her on. He, he, 
he asks her to save him, which is something right. she had said before in the film that she wouldn't be able to do, which means kill him. And she, she brings him over to a pool, lays him in it, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the end of Starger. Uh, in the real world, he drowns, kind of. He, he, he dies. Um, his brain told him he drowned. Right. And in the, in the real world, Vince Vaughn is, again, snooping around this place. He's able to figure out that there's – he, 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 he hears a noise or something, and he figures out that there's a hatch. He goes down through the hatch and finds the water tank, breaks it open, saves the victim. And this is, this is what I was saying earlier about the – you could tell he cared, man. He's holding this girl who's sobbing, almost fighting him off at first because she's been through the, 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 the ringer. Yeah, you know? so she was smart enough where she was able to knock loose one of the conduits. I don't know if it was a pipe or the electrical conduit. So the tank was full. Tank was 100% full, but she was breathing. That's what it was. I don't know how long through yes. this conduit, which that had to have been just terrifying in and of itself. Like you're underwater and your lifeline is just lips on random fucking pipe yeah dude yes and that's how he found her through that pipe that's crazy yeah okay i forgot that but when to me when it's like for him it was a redeeming thing to 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 find her and 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 save her and i don't know man like uh I kind of feel like, I don't know, I guess maybe I, I got, I, the last time I watched this movie, I got, I got wrapped up in it. And so this, this moment really paid off for me. Um, the epilogue to the story is basically they meet outside of Starger's house, uh, Vince Vaughn and J-Lo do, and they have a nice exchange and then they go on their separate ways. And that's kind of how the movie ends. Yeah. Um, oh, but. Uh, you, you do see finally at the end of the film, JLo does reach the boy in the coma. Oh, yep. Yep. She's able to communicate with him by bringing her, her theory was the reverse feed. Yep. Into bringing his, him in, into her. Yeah. Into her mind. And, and yep, she, she was able to finally go sailing with him, which was the thing from the beginning. There's a lot of little things that I've left out of, uh, our discussion. Um, Right, Revolve, revolving around this film, and I'm going to regret that later. But I think a lot of people who, if you've never seen this and you're listening to to us talk about it, I'm going to say go watch this movie and, and and judge for yourself. So, that being said, do you have anything else to say, or do you want to get into likes and dislikes? What do you want to do? Yeah, I mean. Let's let's get into yeah, let's get into the final likes, dislikes, any themes you wanted to point out and so for me, likes all around. I think the performances are solid. Um Vince Vaughn's good, Jennifer Lopez is good, all the side characters are good. D'Onofrio is master class as always. Uh, every scene he's in, he's delivering a hundred and ten, a hundred and twenty percent. The imagery is breathtaking. I think it holds up today. I think it's going to hold up. It's just that good. The editing, 
it's a little bit of its time. I'll say that, but some of it's still classical enough that it, it, it builds tension, proper tension without the crazy late nineties, early two thousands editing that you do get in some of the music videos that we talked about, specifically the 13 ghost scene with the tit, the titty Shiva. Uh, yeah. Shiva Shiva tits <laughs> fucking walking around dislikes well well i'll say too i like the story even though it's derivative of a silence of the silence of the lambs i still like the story i think it's different enough that and i think it's a predecessor to films that have similar ideas i'm not saying that the screenwriters were inspired by this movie i'm not saying that i don't think this movie's talked about enough for it to be inspiring to the, these people i'm just saying though that if you look at the parallels you'll see them dislikes the pacing could be picked up a bit it is slow but at the same time after seeing it again after all these years i was drawn in by sort of how slow it was and i've been on a faster pace kick lately so for me this was kind of a good come down i would say though i could see it as a dislike let me say it that way also I do kind of wish we'd have got a little bit more of Stargirl's methods. I know we get a good bit, but I guess I just want more Vincent. Like that's, that's, that's my dislike. I want more Vincent D'Onofrio. There you go. That's what I'll give it. The saving grace of this movie is Vincent D'Onofrio and not only his portrayal of the characters, but the characters in general. My favorite part were how vastly different they were from the first half of the movie with Steiger to his portrayal of the bad side of him, if you will, where he is that, that king slash devil slash Sultan kind of deal. I, I absolutely love that. The visuals, you are spot on with that as well. The movie's 107 minutes, but it felt long. And I think that could probably be testament to what you had said with the editing maybe tighten some of it up a little bit even though that was a necessary story arc with the little boy it almost felt too long maybe i don't know if that's again editing but just certain things that made it feel long and ultimately the the, the visuals like you said when she when we when we enter the mind of Steiger, the movie took a complete 180, and that's where I really started to love it. For some reason, I mean, I love Vince Vaughn. I, I love him. He's he's an awesome actor, but I just him in this role kind of irked me a little bit. Overall, the acting in this movie was great. I mean, like we said, they had a lot of really good actors between you know Jake Weber, Prue Taylor, Vince you know, all these character actors in there, Dean Norris, even it was yeah. fun seeing them in this, but I don't know what it was. I just, all I can, the best way for me to explain it is it just irked me. Vince Vaughn's really? character. Yeah. I'm not really sure if I just didn't like the way that he portrayed this, but again, you know, I'm, I'm nitpicking, but it's one of those that I'm glad I did come back to see it because it had been so many years since I had seen it last, at least in its entirety. So, 
as far as themes go, I mean, I think I think what the movie is trying to get across is that stop being shitty parents. I don't know if that's the main theme, but I'm gonna say that's what I'm taking away from it is don't be bad to your fucking kids, man. Yeah. Like you're you're raising Hitler or you're raising Lincoln, you know? What are you gonna raise? What are you gonna do? That's that's kind of what I pull from it, with child psychology being the whole end all be all for the the, the whole plot of the film. Right. If kind that's of not low the, hanging fruit, ultimately, when you think about concepts and whatnot. But again, this is but but to me, done in in a very cool way. I mean, very unique, absolutely. Yeah, very unique for sure. I mean, although it did borrow some. Well, it definitely drew parallels to other movies, but again, they, this came out in 2000, so we can only take that so far, but it was a good, I mean, th- this is one of those movies where it's, it's, it's kind of like a grab bag where there's a lot of other movies that are, I don't want to say similar, but you can get your fill somewhere else kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it just feels, and I, and I think that's, you know, harkens back to what I had said when we first started talking about this in that it reminded me of silence of the lambs. I mean, even though it's, it's pretty unique in in some of the ways that it handles it, such as the possessor side, as we were calling it before, it's still a police procedural. It's a, you know, stereotypical serial killer. I mean, there's really nothing, nothing that is going to, completely separated other than the possessor part or the visuals the visuals for sure i agree with the visuals watch the fall man it's 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 if you like if you like the visuals in this movie you're gonna love the fall because it's just the creative aspect of it is what's impressive because yeah i mean how do you i don't even know how you would even even with the wardrobe like you said I mean, it's funny yeah. talking about wardrobe in this movie, but with what Vince Vaughn was wearing, that weird dress and head thing that uh, J-Lo was wearing, it was... Everything that Steiger ever wears? Yes, yes. In, in any scene he's in, in that, very, dream, that nightmare escape? Yeah, very impressive. If, I, if I'm going to go ahead and come in with a rating as a... <laughs> I'm going to say, man, after talking about it and thinking about it, this movie, for me, nostalgia, a little bit tied to it, but I'm going to say story, interesting. Concept, interesting. Performances, good. Score, nothing to talk about. We never mentioned it once, so it's pretty much by the wayside. I'm going to give this movie an 8 out of 10. I got a lot of love for this movie. I was guessing an 8.5, so I wasn't too far off. I could go to an 8.5 if I'm if I'm simply going to say the visuals alone are worth it. I could say 8.5 for the visuals alone. I could say a 10 for right. the visuals alone. Um, but everything taken into account, I would give it an 8. An eight out of ten because I think the performances are strong enough that this movie car- carries itself with that. Even though Vince Vaughn irks you, I find him endearing and and right. I get emotional. I got emotional this last watch with his arc, and 
I think that I don't know if it's I just didn't buy it or 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 what, but well, it's it's I mean it's just how right. how his performance came off to you, right. you know. Right. Um, this movie was not always this high on my list, but this is a movie I wanted to revisit because I thought I would get more out of it this time, and I did. Good. That's. I think anybody that's ever created something, especially a movie, that's their only hope is that you watch it again and you're like, yep, I love it just as much or more than I did before. I love it more than I, than, than I did back in the day. Good. This movie, I'm glad I watched it. The most impressive part and the most memorable part is going to be the character in Vincent D'Onofrio's por- portrayal of it. Portrayal. Portrayal. Yep. Portration. Portration. <laughs> making shit up around JBHS. Hell yeah! I, I love it. Although this this movie is it, it it's got some very very talented actors in it. I just all around it was very good, but no, I don't think anybody really had the chance to be great. And I know that you felt that that was with you know, I guess Vince Vaughn's character was, but for me, it wasn't. Well, I, w- I wouldn't call his performance great. Uh, serviceable. I, oh, yes. I would say it's more, I would say it's above average and more than okay. serviceable. Right. I wouldn't call it a great performance, but, sure. but yes, I was tied into, to it emotionally at the end. Sorry. Right. Go ahead. Ultimately I'm coming in at a 6.75 hovering right around that seven range just with, what i've seen in the sevens i was like it's not quite there so i like that though i'm glad that you came in above average though i'm happy that you enjoyed the movie oh yeah more i was worried i was worried i was worried that you would see this and think well this is all splendor like okay fuck this movie you know not that you would give a movie with with good visuals a low rating but i was i'm glad that you that you got a little bit more out of it than than normal I it's been it been so long since I've seen it. It was almost like watching it all over again. I mean, I knew the concept of it, but again, I, I completely forgot the whole water tank scene was even in this movie. So, I mean, I knew <laughs> the concept. I knew what it was about. I had a couple memories in my head of certain things, but I think that I'm looking at it with a different lens and appreciating it because I can't remember really where I came off before. Um, but I mean, it's it's definitely got to check it out. If you've never seen it or it's been a long time, check it out because it's, I mean, just for Vincent D'Onofrio's performance alone and his character. Fuck yes. It was, yeah. it was, it was awesome. That's then, my biggest dislike. Not enough Vincent D'Onofrio. And I think anyone who loves uh, Silence of the Lambs will say that they want more Anthony Hopkins. I mean, right? I feel like you could do, this would make like a really good, series of the whole concept of you've well, there got, is a sequel there is a sequel sure yeah. not you're gonna say possessor <laughs> no i'm not it's no? called the cell too <laughs> is that really yeah it's a that. direct-to-video right um, not starring any of these people <laughs> any of them obviously yeah i've never seen it but no I'll but it's not right. tubi I bet it is. You're right, though. This would be a cool series, like to 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 have it play out episodically. You're right. I think it would yeah. it would actually maybe gain a little bit if it if it kept 
the same imagery and atmosphere. Yeah. Get, boost up that score. Give us a memorable score, please. Because right. um, I don't remember shit from the score. Neither do I. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it was there. It's not bad. Just there. But yeah, man, that would be that'd be to- I'd be totally on point or down for that if it was on point. Right. <laughs> Boom. You know, it was on point is the scene where JLo's in her apartment walking around in her underwear. <gasps> that and she cracks and she cracks a beer. Mm. Doesn't she? I I think I remember cracking. I wasn't looking at her fridge. hands. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Oh man, but I, I, I think I remember the crack and being like, Oh, this all right, J Lo. That's the you, difference between us. Well, no, but she's trying <laughs> she she's ready for a good night, man. Yeah. It's gonna be a good night. Well, she's by herself though. Um Well that that doesn't change the, <laughs> a lot of women, but no, anyway. Anything uh you wanna add I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna echo you and say, if you have not seen this film and you listen to us talk about it this long, go check it out. If you have not seen it in a long time, go check it out. I think it's worth revisiting. I think it's not talked about enough. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece. It's not, but not to me. But it's a great. I think it's a great movie, and I think it should be seen and talked about a little bit more. That's and that's why I wanted to bring it with. Long story short, we went out a couple nights ago for my birthday, and I found out my neighbor found out that I do this podcast. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've listened to eight of your episodes. And I'm like looking at him like, you blew my mind. And he's like, yeah, I'm not really into horror movies. And so I know there's people out there that aren't necessarily into horror movies. And what I would say is, is this is – I mean, I would almost call this fringe horror. There's definitely some horror elements to it, but a lot of it plays out more of a dark drama, mystery. Psychological. Psychological. Yep. So this is definitely horror light. If you, yeah, if you, if you're a horror on the edge fan, you might, this is, yeah, this is a movie that might take you a little bit over that edge, a little bit, just a little though with the imagery. But this is totally a film that you could show to a budding horror lover or maybe right. he's curious about horror. It's not overly gory. It's, nope. it's barely rated R besides some boobs. Yep. There's, there's nothing overly terrifying with it. I mean, there's a couple scenes, but nothing too bad. Yeah, there, there's some imagery and suggestions, and there are some, imi- the, yeah, some, some depictions that are somewhat, somewhat graphic, but it's yep. not – it's I'd still be careful showing shit. it to a kid just with the fact that you get to see him fucking nutting on some corpse while. In- <laughs> yeah. Well, it's impl- again, suggested, suggested. Right. That the- right. If you're a grown up, yeah, you know what the hell is going on there. He's totally like, Ugh, his O face yep, yep, over face. that fucking ow, dead body. Oh. <laughs> All right, man. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. If you find yourself trapped in a water tank, Break the nearest pipe and start sucking air. That's my final thoughts for this film. Oh, and don't fucking smack your kids. Too much. Good advice. <laughs> All around. All around. Good advice. Well, Mr. Tibu, I we are going to wrap this up here. And it's going to be a little bit different than how we wrap up a typical show. Mm-hmm. So we teased earlier that 
the big 5-0 is coming up. Big episode 50. Again, we've kind of spoiled it and our more our, our listeners that pay a little bit more attention might know what that is. But we're not going to tell you because no. no, it'll be a good surprise. Fuck so what yeah. we're going to be doing is we are going to have a few fireside chats coming out. Truth be told, we've actually recorded a couple of them. So we know what movies they are, but you know we're not going to tell you. So just go in knowing that when you see the fireside chat in the movie title, it is going to be spoilered. Spoiled? Spoiled. 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 Picking up a shit ton of words. Prepper portration and spoiler. We need our own dictionary for the Joe Blow Horror oh. Show. <laughs> yeah, among other things, but but yeah, we need just J Lo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, keep keep that in mind. That's all I have. Is there anything you want to wrap up the episode with? Thank you for listening. Continue to listen because the the next few episodes are going to be a lot of fun, and then the big five zero is going to be fucking. Epic, epic as fuck, and you're gonna want to spread that around. Oh, also, tell your friends about the Joe Blow Horror Show. Tell your friends that you can they could find it on any podcatcher that they want, whether it's Apple or Spotify. Are you on TuneIn? Stitcher. I mean, we're on all of the main ones. iHeartRadio, right? Yeah, gotta yep. be on there. Fucking yeah. find Joe Blah Horror Show. Spread the love. Spread the also, word. Also, if we are not on one of your favorite sites, let me know and I will change that. I typically hate doing this type of stuff and pimping us out, but hey, help us out by spreading the word. And you can help us out by giving us a five-star rating review on iTunes and giving us reviews and ratings on your, your favorite podcatchers. And yeah, spread the word, man. Yeah, if you write a review, by the way, email it to the show. JoeBlowHorrorShow at gmail.com. Send us a review. Send us your comments on a recent episode, a movie you love. Send us – we want to talk. I, I want to talk to you guys, so I'm sure Boston does too. Send yeah, yep. in that motherfucking email. If someone – yeah, if you send something in, we'll read it on the show for sure. So. Fuck yeah. All right. And with that, I hope it was as good for you as it was for us. Boom. Boom.